Hi, we are in a new episode of the History and Politics podcast, and we have a great guest. We have Stephen Hirsch with us. Stephen Hirsch is a professor of practice of international and Arab studies at the Washington University in St. Louis, and he has a study in anarchism in Peru. So, hi, Stephen. How you you came to that this particular topic? Yes, uh, thank you, uh, uh, Camilo, for this uh, opportunity to. Uh, discuss my interest in, in, in the history of Peruvian anarchism. Um, well, I, I have to take you back quite uh, a ways. Um, uh, I began to uh, work on Peru uh, really in the early 1980s. And as you know, that was a very troubled time in, in, in Peru with the uh, uh, Shining Path insurgency, uh, and civil war in Peru. Um, and uh, I traveled to Peru numerous times. I, I worked with uh, a, a close colleague, uh, Wilson Sagasligi, uh, who worked for Terea, and we worked with metallurgical workers, a study on metallurgical workers. And at that time, uh, I became very interested in uh, doing some research on uh, the history of opera. Uh, and my uh, doctoral uh, dissertation advisor, Peter Claren, who you may know, who wrote uh, a very famous uh, thesis on uh, the sugar haciendas and the origins of opera, uh, was supervising my, my dissertation. Uh, and uh, he, uh, well, uh, as I began to do uh, research, uh, I began to, uh, to discern that anarchism had a very profound influence on the opera, uh, something that had been, uh, I believe, underreported in a lot of the uh, uh, historiography at the time. So, uh, essentially, I began to focus on the, on the history of anarchism uh, as an offshoot of its of its influence uh, on the opera. Now, there are some people, of course, who have written on on this. Uh, of, uh, for example, Luis uh, Tejada. Although we, I think we have a very different uh, uh, understanding about about the extent of that. That influence, but of course, this was at the time, you know, when Alan Garcia was also uh, the, the president of Peru. Uh, so opera was in power for the first time, uh, and uh, there seemed to be sort of a confluence of of, uh, of uh, factors that led me to uh, focus on this connection between uh, anarchism and opera. But subsequent to that, uh, I began to take a uh, a singular uh, uh, interest on the history of anarchism in Peru, which again uh, is uh, woefully uh, understudied. Uh, and I think that this is in part because of the uh, deliberate and very intentional uh, effort by uh, its opponents on both the left and I'm talking here about, you know, of course, Marxist-Leninists as well as Maoists, uh, and then on the right, uh, everyone from, well, uh, all, all the 
conservative-oriented uh, 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 movements in Peru that have opposed anarchism. So they have either co-opted its history, distorted its history, or erased its history. Uh, so I set out to, uh, and, and have been keenly interested in sort of reconstructing that history, which is a very painstaking uh, process given the fragmentary nature of the uh, 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 archives and, and documentation, uh, but I'm happy to report that, of course, now there's a, a, a lot of, uh, uh, there's new interest in, uh, in studying the history of Peruvian anarchism, and a number of scholars and, and, and students and activists have, um, I think, uh, made significant headway in um, uh, rescuing this, 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 this history. Yes, so to start, how did anarchism came to Peru? Yeah, um, well, suffice it to say, through many uh, different avenues, pathways, vectors, um, if we think about anarchist ideas, uh, principles, beliefs, uh, forms of organization, repertoires of struggle. I mean, one can point to or trace this back as early as I would say to the Paris Commune, which um, was well known to Peruvians, especially in northern Peru, uh, in, in, in Piura in the 1870s. Um, some, some ideas filtered in there. Uh, and, of course, through, through the various courts and contacts with radical uh, seamen. Um, but you also had, of course, uh, uh, European immigrants, Italians, Spaniards, Russians, Poles, um, Yugoslavs, in fact, who uh, had, uh, were exposed to or were militants of, of, of anarchism. Uh, and I would argue, even more importantly, were Latin American immigrants. Now, before I get to that, uh, I just want to say that, you know, typically what you, you find in the literature, such as it exists in Peruvian anarchism, uh, is, uh, I would say, an, a, uh, an emphasis on uh, the sort of seminal role of Manuel González Prada in promoting and fostering uh, and disseminating, you know, anarchism. And it's true, he was in Spain and had contact with Spanish anarchists in the late 1890s. Um, and, of course, he was very important. But I think if we, I, I, I think it would be an exaggeration uh, to say that, you know, he was, he alone was responsible uh, for the dissemination uh and uh, legitimation, if, if you will, of anarchist ideas. Um, now, as I alluded to moments ago, Latin American immigrants, anarchists, and, uh, and Latin American anarchist exiles, while few in number, uh, were very important in um, developing uh, uh, anarchism in Peru. And I'm talking about, of course, uh, Argentines and Chileans in particular, but there were also Mexicans and Bolivians um, uh, and others that we need to, to uh, uh, 
take account of when we're, when we're talking about the origins of, of Peruvian anarchism. The other, uh, a couple other uh, uh, points that I would like to make in this connection are, of course, the anarchist networks um, that, that both involved um, cross-border contacts between anarchists in, for example, Bolivia and southern Peru, or Chile and, 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 and Peru. Uh, as we know, anar uh, Argentine anarchist uh, organizers and propagandists uh, were sent from Buenos Aires by the Fora in, in the early uh, 1910s, 1913 to be exact. Uh, you also had uh, connections along the Pacific coast, that is, these again, uh, along these maritime lines between, let's say, the uh, IWW, uh, the Industrial Workers of the World, the Wobblies, uh, who were based in the United States, but had, uh, you know, New York, San Francisco, uh, and had contacts with Latin American uh, and uh, revolutionary syndicalists, uh, and set up chapters uh, in, in, uh, along the coast, particularly uh, in uh, Chile, I would say, in Valparaiso, uh, but also uh, in Moyendo and, of course, Arequipa because of these, these con contacts between Chileans and, and, and uh, Peruvians. So you can see that uh, uh, there are many threads here when one wants to talk about uh, the development of uh, uh, and spread of anarchism in, in Peru. Yeah, so what are the particularities of, of, of the kind of anarchism that, that came to Peru? What was the, the orientation was more syndicalist than than other ones? Was, was it this? Yeah, well, this is, uh, you know, this is a question that I think uh, is in need of further research, but uh, you're, you're correct that uh, uh, Peruvian anarchists, especially uh, in uh, Lima and Callao, were keenly interested in uh, anarcho-syndicalism and promoting uh, anarcho-syndicalism, that is, an emphasis on uh, labor organizing uh, and, and union organization as uh, both a means of uh, struggle, but also as a uh, laying the groundwork for uh, what I guess we would describe as a, um, how shall I put it, sort of a, uh, for the future society. Right, that essentially uh, unions um, and labor organizations uh, federated uh, would replace uh, the state. So that was um, uh, uh, certainly a point of emphasis of Peruvian anarchists in, in Lima and Callao. But, um, and, and this is true of other parts of uh, Peru as well, although, again, uh, this is a generalization. We, we really need to, to uh, investigate further uh, other forms and variations of uh, Peruvian anarchism in uh, in the provinces and uh, and, and and 
in the different uh, regions. Um, uh, there's a lot of work still to be done on that, uh, I believe. But uh, in terms of what distinguishes Peruvian anarchism um, itself, uh, I would say a couple of things. Uh, uh, of course, I would say Peruvian anarchist commitment to uh, indigenous emancipation as part of a larger project of working class emancipation uh, is, is key here. Um, Peruvian anarchists, by and large, were committed to, um, to creating uh, organic indigenous educators, uh, to, to, which in turn would um, serve as catalysts for indigenous self-emancipation, uh, to, to defend indigenous communities, their lands, their resources. So uh, this, this is crucial. Uh, the other, uh, I, I think, distinctive uh, feature of Peruvian anarchism um, was uh, its inclusiveness, uh, its integration of, of non-Peruvians, people of, of mixed race, uh, that is of Afro-Peruvians, people of you know, uh, even Chinese, Japanese uh, 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 descent, uh, and of course, uh, um, <clears throat> so, so, so there's a lot of emphasis that also on uh, inter-ethnic uh, uh, alliances, something which I've tried to uh, analyze with respect to uh, northern Peru, the, the contacts between, let's say, Trujillo-based uh, anarchists uh, in the early 1900s uh, connected to the a League of Artisans and, and Workers of Peru, which was based in uh, Trujillo and led by people like Julio Reynaga Matute. And, uh, but he had analogs uh, in uh, Chiclayo, too, like Manuel Chofan Tasca, uh, who in turn organized, uh, uh, let's say, uh, anarchist uh, uh, unions and also uh, countercultural types of associations in Chiclayo, and then reached out to uh, the nearby haciendas, uh, both in Lambayeque, in the case of Uchofen and his, and his supporters. Uh, and in the case of Reynaga, of course, we're talking about the Chicama Valley and the Santa Catalina Valley. So uh, in both those cases, we are um, talking about uh, urban, essentially mestizo, uh, anarchists and anarcho-syndicalists and their um, concerted attempts to uh, organize um, well, to forge an alliance with rural-based, largely indigenous uh, peasant um, uh, workers, braceros, on the various haciendas and in their communities in, uh, in Lambayeque and La Libertad. So this, this, was, this I think, is a, um, uh, a good example of uh, anarchist efforts to promote uh, 
um, uh, indigenous, or to, to forge, let's say, uh, indigenous worker solidarity. Now, this was going on in southern Peru, too, and you had different uh, um, uh, anarchist uh, 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 organizers and activists uh, and organizations involved in those activities, and this was sort of uh, later in, um, uh, in the, in the uh, late 1910s and, and 1920s, uh, whereas the northern experience was uh, occurred much uh, earlier. My other question was, um, how how do you see like the a lot of traditional histories present the 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 popularity of Marxism in the in the twentieth century make led to the demise of anarchist ideas, which became with the time much more marginalized? Do you do you think that's a, an accurate take? Um, are you referring to? Uh, I think in the Peruvian case, um, I think that there, the conventional interpretation has been that you know anarchism and anarcho-syndicalism were eclipsed uh, by uh, certainly uh, the late 1920s uh, by the rise of the Peruvian Socialist Party, of course, led by Jose Carlos Mariátegui. And uh, by the opera, uh, led by uh, Victor Raúl de la Torre, um, and uh, that these sort of uh, um, socialist slash communist and radical nationalist anti-imperialist, in the case of opera, that these uh, 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 formal political parties uh, and party politics on the left, uh, dis you know, displaced. Uh, uh, and supplanted uh, the anarchist uh, movement. And indeed, of course, there was tremendous competition and rivalry uh, and antagonism. But I think what's overlooked in that explanation, um, and I'm going to try to answer your question more directly uh, in a moment, but I also want to just interject the idea that there was a lot of collaboration and cooperation between um, self-identified anarchists, anarcho-syndicalists, socialists, uh, co yeah, even communists, and, uh, 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 and uh, priestas who were committed to, to social revolution. And I think, again, a lot of this has been uh, ignored or uh, 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 deliberately sort of minimized by a lot of uh, uh, scholars. Uh, Bear in mind that many of the founders of both opera and the uh, Peruvian uh, Communist Party were themselves, uh, came from anarchist uh, backgrounds. And I would argue that anarchism uh, was not uh, uh, eclipsed sort of uh, overnight, as it were. Uh, but in fact persisted in terms of ideological transfers, uh, countercultural politics, uh, and even struggle. That is that the uh, many members of, or I would say, uh, some uh, workers who 
uh, were formerly anarchists and then participated in the, in the opera party or in the communist party, um, did not jettison their anarchist beliefs uh, altogether or immediately, but continued to practice them even under, uh, within, well, under the auspices or in the context of supporting uh, these various parties. So, um, but uh, that said, uh, as I stated earlier, uh, it's true that the uh, that there was a great deal of uh, competition, uh, and even Mariotti, uh, despite his um, calls for proletarian unity, uh, was. Uh, very uh, antagonistic toward anarchists and anarcho-syndicalists. And of course, uh, the situation got worse under um, Eudosio Ravines, who took over as secretary general of the Peruvian Communist Party and really was under the sway of the Third International and was much more uh, dogmatic and orthodox in his, his thinking and uh, had uh, nothing but uh, disdain for anarchists. So, um, so I would say the advent of party politics, uh, uh, along with, and we shouldn't forget this for a moment, uh, intense state repression, uh, first under Leguia, uh, and then, of course, uh, Sanchez Cerro, uh, really uh, did... Uh, uh, considerable damage to uh, the anarchist and anarcho-syndicalist uh, uh, movements, particularly in Lima and Callao, um, which of course was really the, the, the uh, uh, center of the Peruvian anarchist movement. So, um, so it is a combination. It was a combination of factors, and of course, populism and national populism as a Latin American and region-wide phenomenon uh, also had a, you know, uh, a deleterious, uh, you know, effect on, uh, on uh, anarchism and its um, commitment to anti-politics and anti-statist uh, uh, practices. So my question is, what's the picture of, of of Peruvian anarchists after the 30s. So uh, were there any organization relatively active? Who was there? Well, that's a very good question. Uh, and uh, I'm not sure I can give you a, an authoritative answer. Uh, we do know, for example, that La Protesta, the main uh, anarchist uh, newspaper in uh, Lima uh, continued to uh, publish into the 19... Well, it, it stopped in the mid... Uh, in 1926 and then was revived a little bit in the, in the 30s uh, and then into the 1940s. Um, so there were anarchist publications, but... Uh, um, uh, again, we don't know much about them, uh, and they certainly were not as, um, uh, didn't have as many subscribers or were not in as, uh, 
in wide circulation as in earlier uh, uh, periods. Um, and it's also important to note that uh, we need to take into account uh, Peruvian anarchists who did not reside in Peru. This, of course, as you know, particularly in the 1930s, 40s, 50s, this was a period of oligarchic uh, re-entrenchment uh, in Peru, uh, authoritarian regimes. So uh, anarchy, this was not exactly fertile uh, 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 environment for uh, a revival of anarchism. But Peruvian anarchists did uh, reside in exile, some in Mexico, for example, uh, and they continued to, uh, to write and to uh, disseminate anarchist ideas. But it is uh, undeniable that Peruvian anarchism uh, was uh, a much diminished and effete uh, a force, uh, you know, by this time. Okay, so my next question is: You're working on on, on both global, like, the global history of anarchists. How is that project? Ah, uh, yeah. So, so well, well, uh, it's funny you should mention that we're. I'm, I'm about to. Uh, we hope. We hope to have a publisher uh, shortly here for our, a, a new uh, uh, co-edited book uh, with my South African colleague Lucian uh, Vanderwalt called Radical Encounters, Anarchists, Marxists, and Nationalists in the Colonial and Post-Colonial World, 1870 through the 1940s. Uh, this is a follow-up to our uh, uh, our first volume that we published uh, with uh, Brill Academic Publishers. So, uh, and this, this again sort of attempts to, or I should say the perspective of this, this volume is to uh, um, analyze the interactions between anarchists and anarcho-syndicalists, Marxists of various stripes, and radical nationalists in the uh, colonial and post-colonial worlds. That is how they collaborated, uh, engaged in acts of solidarity, uh, as well as the tensions and conflicts between them um, in regards to anti-colonial anti and anti-imperialist uh, struggles. So, uh, and we, we cover the, the volume does uh, I think is quite ambitious in as much as it does cover uh, Eastern Europe, uh, Asia, uh, Af Southern Africa, as well as as, as well as uh, the Caribbean and Latin America. That, that sounds like a really interesting project. And of Peruvian anarchists, you're going to to publish a, a book in in Spanish? Uh, well, first it will be in in English. This okay. is. Uh, book that I've been working on for a very long time with a tentative title of Study, Organize, Rebel, Anarchism and Working Class Emancipation in Peru, 1898 to 1932. Uh, unfortunately, I, uh, or fortunately as the case may be, I'm, I'm involved in several other projects at the moment, uh, 
uh, an, an edited volume that looks at the uh, uh, impact of the Russian Revolution on Latin American anarchism that I'm co-editing with uh, Jeffrey de la Forcade, a historian who works on, uh, on Argentina. Uh, so that, it, that uh, work is sort of uh, uh, taking uh, uh, time away from uh, finishing the, the, the uh, monograph, but uh, hopefully that will, that will come out uh, uh, in the not too distant future. Uh, and of course, I'm working on several other uh, 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 smaller projects um, that I think are attempting to grapple with some key issues related to the history of Peruvian anarchism, in particular how anarchists dealt with the Indian uh, question. I'm, I'm very interested in this subject uh, in particular because I believe that some of the uh, scholarly work uh, on this, and of course it's very limited, uh, has, has sort of um, missed, uh, misrepresented um, anarchists' uh, uh, approach to this issue. Uh, and I, and uh, I think some good work has been done by people like Alfredo Capsoli uh, and of course Gerardo Liebner and, and Ricardo Melgarabao uh, but they tend to stress this um, millenarian connection, utopian connection between anarchism and uh, uh, and and uh, uh, and indigenism uh, and indigenous struggles. Uh, and I think that this really, in some respects, um, uh, distorts uh, this uh, relationship. As I alluded earlier. Um, I think anarchists were eminently uh, rational uh, in their approach to indigenous emancipation. Uh, and, excuse me, sorry about that. Uh, and for uh, their, their primary interest being in organizing, uh, well, first educating uh, indig indigenous uh Leaders and, uh, and 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 individuals, um, and secondly, organizing, and then thirdly, mobilizing them. Uh, but they had, you know, of course, they rejected social Darwinism uh, and any type of biological determinist explanation for indigenous inferiority, uh, and they embraced indigenous peoples as uh, revolutionary subjects. Uh, and there's a lot to explore here. Um, indigenous or anarchist campaigns to end indigenous, uh, uh, you know, coerced labor, as we know, and throughout Peru, and compulsory military uh, uh, service and road construction, and uh, as well as uh, anti-slavery campaigns. Uh, for example, against uh, you know, the Casa Araña in Putumayo um, in the early 1900s. So a lot of this work still needs to be, be, be done. So um, uh, I, I'm busy working on these, those projects too. So uh, I can't say uh, how soon uh, the book will come out, uh, but um, uh, hopefully it will occur sooner rather than later. Mm. 
Well, I think with that, we could leave it here. It has been really interesting talking with you, and I think you're... The books that you are writing or anything seem like really interesting books to, to read in the future. So thank you, Stephen, for, for, for this interview. Yeah, thank you very much, Camila, for this opportunity to talk with you. Appreciate it.